quiet. Time for a start show. Trouble defeat, audience! Your move silently and hide checks are successful. Good evening, lords, ladies, non-binary, multi-form constructs, and others. You have chosen your entertainment quite wisely, for you are about to experience the most wondrous spectacle in the great, venerable, and multiplanar empire of Voladros and the Wathens. I am your host proprietor, Romande Zwarfinde, and I welcome you to the Twenty-Sided Theatre. Dancing lights! Well, my adorable boosters, things have certainly taken a turn for the worse, and I am not talking about the constant nagging messages we keep receiving from the Emperor and the Imperial Defense Council. No, my faithful friends, a great ill wind has seen fit to lift my tunic right up over my head. Here's Harry Larry to tell you more. <clears throat> My name is Hara Laris of the Dipson Memorial Action Town Criers. Where has your sense of professionalism gone, Master Sorfinde? I am sorry, Hera. With my sibling in such close proximity, I'm a little on edge. Let's try that again. I bring you now to Hera Laris and the Dipson Memorial Action Town Criers. For more information. Thank you, Romande. Tonight's top story tells of the largest musical festival ever to take place in the deep north of Scotalia. People of various species are flocking to the town of Acoustica as we speak to hear the musical stylings of the largest, most flamboyant, most popular stage act in all the Empire the Red Hand Minstrel Assassins. We go now to our newly hired music and cultural correspondent, John Roderick, for the full story. John? Thank you, Hera. As you can see behind me, the preparations for the traditional Scotalian Suite 216 are well underway. The stage is almost fully erected, and the stage magicians are currently testing their various stage spells and special effects. But, uh, these elves don't seem to be up to date with the strict Imperial Safety and Health Organization's regulations, so things keep breaking and are occasionally maiming one or two of my cousins in the illiterate barbarian road crew. Labork is cheap, though, and orc lives are cheaper than most, so despite any setbacks, the show will go on as planned. And according to this note from Pamande Molkafinde, the most famous elven pig farm orc in the Deep North, 
Nobody in town has mentioned any thoughts or rumors of sabotage. Actually, John, I did hear word that the festival has sabotaged its own schedule of performances. Well, Hera, the Red Hand usually headlines this event, but since this year's festival is being thrown in on orc of their front elf and body percussionist, is Rihanna Alfinde, the lineup's been thrown into some disarray. Disarray? Uh, disarray, you say? How so, John? According to these Swamp Elves local superstitions, if the birthday person sings even the briefest 16th note of the name day song during her party, or if the song begins between a half note too early or an eighth note too late, then the swamp will dry up and these elves will be forced to endure a thousand years of drought. More than that, Miss Alephinde is so closely associated with the musical styles of the hand that for them to perform without her would be worse than not taking the stage at all. Then who will be headlining this year's show? Izzy's slightly orc Verdue twin brother and his insufferable bastards have been hired to play the show in their place. I've heard that Romande guy playing Consort before. He's actually pretty good. But I've never even heard of his backing band. When I was still twerking with the East Orc Nation Typhoon, we once opened for the unlovable Orkfins, but then they broke up two years later Orc in 56. Not sure who these insufferable bastards are, but we here at the Action Town Cryorks will bring you more information as it becomes Orc available. Back to you, Hera. Thank you, John Roderick, and welcome to our news team. When we return from our break, we will take you to Pinky the Problematic Dragon Pixie for this month's tips and tricks for ecological preservation. But first, a word from our sponsor. Ah, hello there. I didn't notice you while I was polishing my cordoban boots and chewing on this sliding tech potato-based food-like product bar. Well, since we're here, I might as well tell you about the new line of the Mammoth King brand grooming products for exotic mounts. I've never used the stuff before, but he's paying it, so I'm saying it. His Majesty, the Mammoth King, is not just the mascot, not just the president, and not just the spokesman for this fine, fine company, but he's also a highly satisfied customer. Isn't that right, the Mammoth King? I am the Mammoth King! The Mammoth King brand exotic mount grooming products are made with only the finest, all-natural ingredients sustainably sourced from the frigid highlands that His Majesty, the Mammoth King, calls home. What? You want a second opinion or something? Well, fine. Just listen to this testimonial from some half-orc called Scrump Jugger. We use the Mammoth King brand Exotic Mount Grooming product on me riding rhino every day. Him hide and never be more clustered than when's me rub the Mammoth King brand hide ointment on him butt. Many thank the Mammoth King. I am the Mammoth King! Well, there you go. Two endorsements, 
and one of them straight from the Mammoth's trunk. Purchase your very own The Mammoth King brand of exotic Mount Grumman products from your local Pan Species stable today. I am the Mammoth King! Oh, noble members of my beloved audience, please do lie down upon your silver-chased couches, gulp your drinks, ignite your bear grass, and adjust your listening devices that you might find yourselves thoroughly engrossed in your evening at the Twenty-Sided Theatre. A series of elven-raised roosters awakens the party early in the morning. You go through all of your daily ablutions and morning rituals, then head downstairs to the common room, where you find Pamande Mulcafinde, the most famous pig farmer in all of Acoustica, and father of the twins Bromande Ductrine Sorfinde and Sismande Isriaven Alafinde just finishing up his lecture on Acoustican naming conventions. Issa and her two attendants sit with their heads on their flippers, nodding off after an exhaustingly long but culturally informative monologue. Pamande still looks fresh and unaffected by speaking through the entire duration of the previous night. ...within the family, their craft, trade, and or job, the family's achievements, and the animal their hairstyle most closely resembles. Oh, but it appears I have talked your ears off. I've been such a rude host. <sighs> no, no, you've been a great host, Master Mulcafinde. We penguins just have ears on the inside of our heads, so that's why it looks like we're not listening. Isn't that right, Taxi? Ah, right away, King Prata. Uh, I mean, yes, uh, Master Mulcafinde has been a wonderful host. Indeed, Master Beak. Never have I felt so welcomed in any place or by any person. Except for Lady Featherfoot, of course. And I am very much looking forward to celebrating Miss Alafinde's 216th birthday. That's the important one to make sure you get right as an elven father, you know. As the old saying goes, when a girl turns six to the third power years old, she gets to be a princess for a day, or else she and your spouse get to be your wardens for the next three to the sixth power years. Uh, that one sounds a lot better in the original elvish. Meanwhile, the rest of the party begins to trickle into the common. I promise not to break Sir Gnome with my arcane sciences. And that's the problem I'm having, Morton. You're promising not to break Sir Gnome, so I'm afraid he's going to come back from your laboratory having grown a spine or something. But Master, I already have a spine. You just won't let me cast Mage Hand to stack it back up. Shut, Shut up, Sir Gnome! gnome. <laughs> you know what, Morton? You're not so bad for a dwarf. Maybe I should let you run some experiments on Sir Gnome. Here, I'll help you put him back together while you tell me what you think you're doing with that crystal. What? Oh, nothing much. I'm... Just embedding Ooh. the shard of ruby Ow. quartz into Ooh. the base of his skull. Ow. Yes, Ooh. normally I'd Ow. do some alchemy Ow. first to turn this e. stuff into a crystalline salt oh. since the skin absorbs Ooh. it better that way, Ooh. but you know. Indeed, oh. I freed Sano from his prison of Ow. flesh many years ago, back when I still had one of my original eyes. 
So, anyway, what's this experiment supposed to do? Oh, uh, nothing much. Just installing a little tracking and monitoring system so Sir Gnome can always be found. The crystal will amplify Sir Gnome's natural sigh, and through a forced quantum entanglement field, the source crystal should be able to pinpoint his location and distance, while also providing access to Sir Gnome's thoughts. Uh, uh, you look thirsty. How about you down this nice tall glass of, uh, uh, dwarven spring water? Wow, thanks! Hmm, it's a little salty and very grainy, but I like the aftertaste of spearmint. Yep, that's an old clan secret. Anyway, I think the process is finished. We just have to turn on the monitoring system to see if it works. Did it work, Did it Mark the Fault Girl? Should, Should I, climb I climb back down, down out of this treehouse to test it further? Sir Dome, what are you doing in my head? I demand that you get out immediately! Oh, there's no need for you to climb down the tree! Not when I can cast the Narnian's defenestrating well, I didn't hear any of that exchange, so it looks like the experiment worked. Hey, Thrimlock, where's Sir Gnome now? Shut up, dwarf. I hate you forever. And not just because I know that Sir Gnome hit his head on the spire atop the acoustic in Town Hall, so I'll have to repair the portable storage hole in his skull. Once I can stand to look at him again, that is. Excellent! How long is this Cybon supposed to last, anyway? Oh, that's part of the experiment. If my calculations were correct, the half-life on this enchantment should be roughly equal to a gold dragon's full life cycle. What? <laughs> While Thrimlock stands around choking on his own rage, Romande finally emerges from his room upstairs. Good morning, my insufferable bastards. Good morning, Papa. I trust you all slept as soundly as I did. Why, good morning, my darling son. Most of your companions have been up for hours now, but I see you still have as much trouble getting out of bed as a blind newborn piglet has finding its mother's teeth. It's adorable and it takes a while, but you'll get there eventually, and if you don't, then you'll die. Actually, pig farmer, some of us do not sleep. We have more important business to be about. Indeed. Father Makar has bolstered me in the war on sleep for nigh on the past 15 years, ever since he showed me the path to eternal battle through sustainable lichdom. Yeah, Dore and Steve don't sleep either, since I jump-started to them with all those gigajoules of positive energy! And the half-orcs have a toddler, so they definitely don't get any rest at night. Hells, I think Warden and the Penguins are the only members of this party who still technically sleep instead of meditating or trancing. Wait, Dorea, does Spirit of the Swift Wind need to sleep? And where is he anyway? Spirit of the Swift Wind is down in the pasture near the base of the Treehouse Inn, Lord Thrimlock. My faithful mount now prances in the bogs below alongside the noble swamp horses of Acoustica. And no, he does not need to sleep, 
though he can if he wishes. For spirit of the swift wind is a celestial steed, whose spirit has been eternally bonded to mine. Yep, I don't sleep either, since I asked Grimlock to help me stave off the effects of Imanon's aura of radiation, the X-ray vision, and the enhanced jumping musculature is pretty nice. But my scales kept falling out, and I kept coughing up stuff the color of Sir Gnome's feet. I didn't actually cure her cancer or her radiation poisoning. I just killed her and raised her with positive energy, the same way I did with Torea and Froggle's Uncle Debid. Huh. Me was wonder why me no see Uncle Debid since wedding. Last time me remember see him, Uncle Nar was offer him drink from special black bottle of Sight Ender Liqueur. Me just thought he'd get lost on way home from Arena of Awkrap. Also, you forget two mans who sleep, Blindfold Elf. You forget Bear and Druid of Frozen Summit. Yeah, they got up early, really early, to go on a nature walk or something. Still said something about trying to restore the energy balance within the Galvanic fields. And, and then he started wandering from tree to tree and muttering at them. Druid magic, it, it doesn't even look like magic. It's, it's like eating salad. They just pick berries and nuts. Nuts and berries, berries and nuts. There's nothing magical about it. He had better not be undoing all of the hard work my retinue of 35 irradiated Shenouda brand necromaters have applied towards improving this suburb of nowhere. Don't worry, Emerald. I was just fortifying the immune systems of the trees that hadn't been irradiated yet. The balance of nature requires that you make it a space for all of the bugs and the plants and animals and the mutants that might want to join in the biosphere. That, and he was helping me prepare the little patches of solid ground we could find for some bear grass seeds to take root. But all that works made me thirsty. I'm going to have another one of those extra sweet, high alcohol elven liqueurs, which they make out of the nectars from fruit trees. Well, you're all here now so we can finally get through the formality of the traditional acoustic and audition ceremony. Here, let's help the hammock staff set up the stage and then y'all can play a set. Just one song is all you need for tradition's sake, and traditions are very important in acoustica. Man, maybe we should play a medley, just in case they don't like our cover of the birthday song. Or just in case we've accidentally been jamming on the national traditional dwarven birthday song, instead of the elven one. If you wish to play more than one piece, then that will be acceptable. But you must play at least one song to prove your fitness for our proudly humble birthday hoedown extravaganza. Two songs, eh? Well, I don't spend all that much time listening to dwarves. But I am always willing to embroider their musics a bit. 
I just wish that I could hit all of those deep bass notes without casting ghost sound first. Um, Mr. Mokafinde, what happens if we fall off tempo or don't play with enough vibrato or other embellishments or something? Well, my dear lizard friend, y'all have to be very careful with the timing of the birthday song. According to our venerable Swamp Witch, if even the quietest 16th note chimes out before its appointed time, then the whole ceremony is ruined and our gods will blight our crops for a millennium. Y'all don't have to play all fancy, though. We acousticans are very proud of our austere musical stylings, and we mostly just want to be able to pick out a familiar tune. But this is just a formality. Y'all are professional musicians, and the real performance is tomorrow night, so we don't have to worry about any of that for right now. Just get on up there and play your hearts out. And Bromande, thank you for agreeing to play for Sismonde. Marmonde and Gramonde will be so happy to see both y'all getting along nicely together for a change. The insufferable bastards schlep all of their borrowed or improvised instruments onto the stage and spend the next quarter hour setting up their tableau. Once the instruments have been tuned and the sound check is finished, Pamonde signals the innkeeper to dim the lights with a modified darkness spell, leaving only a small pool of full illumination upon the stage. Oh, that is an excellent beat you're keeping, Miss Steve. Your tail drumming will be perfect. You can keep it up through the song's full duration of one and three quarter hours. Thanks, Mr. Romande. Dad? Oh, God, how long have you been in this band, Mr. Shenouda? Now, I don't want to be unkind. I, I trust Bromonde to find decent musicians to back him, but that sounded, uh, let's say it's a little too, uh, fancy for this venue, maybe. How's about you try that bass line again, only without your magical box of distortions this time? I've only been in the band for the past fortnight. Most of that time was spent developing and fine-tuning my Saddener box. I spent the effort to build the device, so I will not be eschewing it for this upcoming performance. Ah, uh, well, your short time in the band does excuse you from being, uh, less familiar with the part. But you built your instrument yourself, so the people of Acoustica will at least appreciate your craftsmanship, if not your execution. And now it's time for my grand solo upon the newly repaired Cernomophone! Hold still while I hammer your Blinkety blonk. Blonkety blink. Oh no, 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 that simply will not do, Katharan. Your solo is far too ornate. Tone it down, Vivaldi. We're playing the Acoustica Stump here, not one of those glittery golden music halls those jumped-up dwarves to the east keep erecting. Issa shoots a significant glance across the stage at Romande. That's right, Issa. Now you can see why I left this place. My countrymen simply cannot appreciate the finer aspects of music, and I refuse to play less well simply to accommodate my audience. No, I was thinking more that you're a globulous fraud. What? A and just what is that supposed to mean, you overgrown puppet? Look around, Ponzi Pants. You always claim to be the best bard around, 
but when we first met you, you were above average at best. Now I can see why. I will have you know that at the age of 92, I was ritualistically exiled from this town, simply for my, ahem, differences in musical opinion. Besides, Papa didn't call me on the carpet this time, so I've obviously learned how to make compromises for the sake of communal harmony. Communal harmony, my cloaca. You weren't even hitting your strings. You basically played air loot through the entire song. And thus, nobody took note of any of my hammer-ons, pull-offs, or Iolian scales. Papa isn't getting red in the face, well, except for the juniper blossoms upon his cheeks. So harmony, therefore, must have been preserved. The... I guess it counts as a performance? Anyway, you wrap up the song, and Palmonde greets you as you relinquish the stage. Thank y'all again for getting on up there. I say it takes a whole bushel of courage to perform anything in front of a live audience. And from what I've seen tonight, if even a tenth of what my son keeps writing home about y'all is true, then you're still the bravest group of adventuring musicians I've ever met. Even braver than my darling daughter's red hand minstrel assassins. Romande writes home to you guys? That's weird. He always made it sound like he has no living family apart from Isriana and her hatchlings. Well, he more writes at us than to us. That sounds more like the Romande I know and tolerate. But he writes about us when he does? Well, he writes about his own daring exploits and adventures, but he always includes y'all as supporting characters. But I know my boy well enough to know how to read between the lines, so that's how I know that y'all are the bravest adventures to ever grace our humble acoustic and stump with your musical presence. Especially with all the, uh, mysterious threats and such surrounding tomorrow evening's party. But that's just got to be sound and fury. Ain't nobody around here been hurt so far. At that moment, you hear a sudden crack as one of the inn's support branches gives way. Make reflex saves to avoid falling out of the treehouse. <coughs> oh, well, I spoke too soon, I suppose. I just wish I knew who would want to sabotage my darling sis Monday, Israel then Alafinde, sweet 216. But first, is everybody okay? I'm okay, Papa. Ooh, I'm not quite dead. Luckily, Spirit of the Swift Wind broke my fall. Like Spirit of the Swift Wind, and even more luckily, Sir Gnome broke the magical yet not talking horse's fall. We penguins are good, thanks to the celestial chainmail I force all my retainers to wear. Froggle fly too, so Froggle and family am's okay. You do nothing for our family, Froggle. Me am's monk, so me snowfall with Friggle as soon as tree break. You bad husband for look after self but not family. Ugh. I take this as a sign that the Warfather has declared a war on Timber. Imanon, I think this is your fault. If you could just turn down your aura of radiation, maybe the trees will stop breaking on us. Shut up, Chameleon. I've only been here for about 13 hours, so while many tree cancers have budded in the wake of my free radicals, they shouldn't have had enough time to metastasize or cause structural damage. 
yet. And this is why dwarves aren't stupid enough to build their inns in trees. Well, this and the fact that our adamantine kegs are too heavy to be supported by mere wood. <sighs> I'm fine, but I'm starting to hate this place. I see why you left all those years ago, Romande. Well. If I have to perform at tomorrow's soiree, then I should go get ready. I'll be in my dressing room, so do not bother me under any circumstances. But first, a word from our sponsors. You know, when us dwarves is driving our shaggy yaks all up and down a mountain, sometimes we got bivouac and make camp on the cliffside. Now us dwarves is pretty good at cooking up a stew or sauce what holds all your daily vitamins and nutrients, so we always know we'll go to bed with a full belly. Then one day this dumb half-orc wanders into our camp, carried a big cauldron of something what smelled like a chili pepper and fall in love with a tomato. Hey dwarves, me ems traveled too, but me all alone. You dwarves want for me share me special extra hot orc sauce? It made with phantom pepper. Well, we dwarves are hospitable people, so we invited this scrub feller into our camp and took a bite out of his cauldron. And hoo-wee! It was the worst sauce I'd ever tasted. That swill was bladder and milder than a newborn's first fart. Pfft, pfft. Hey, scrub, where'd you say you got this recipe? An old family recipe from way back when me grandmother orc helped build New Orc City. New Orc City? Well, that explains it, I guess. Here, scrub, try some of this. Special dwarf core of the planet hot sauce. Now made with the chili seeds what grew on the plane of fire. Special dwarf core of the planet hot sauce. They say it's magically hot, but I don't believe magic. Ah, me tongue! It burns so hot! Ah, wow, wow! Now registering at over 14 trillion on the Scopo scale, this sauce is guaranteed to set fire to your supper tonight. Now, Mr. Mokafinde, I don't want to transgress against any of your northern elven customs and traditions, so, I'd like to ask a question before I begin an official inquiry. Do you slap somebody with a glove to start an investigation this far up in the deep north? Why, yes, that is how you start an official investigation up here. You know, you're pretty well versed in our proud northern elven cultural dealings, Master Salzgild. For a dwarf, that is. In that case, Miss. Mr. Pamande, I hereby open this investigation. Slap! Someone has been sawing at the branches of your treehouse, and I want to know who was it that dastardly flying swordfish who's been terrorizing the east coast of Scatalia? My dear, I do believe you are confused. Such damage as this would not be caused by a flying swordfish. The dreaded flying sawfish, on the other hand... Oh, no, no, Steve. You're doing it all wrong. Do it like this. 
My good sir, I demand investigation. Ouch, you've got a mighty powerful slap there, Master Thrimlock. Let me just pour myself a dram and all the comfort to steady my nerves. Ah, quite refreshing. And now, I will officially admit that I have no idea who might be behind the attempts to ruin my darling daughter's most important natal anniversary. I suspect that the pig-farming elf may be holding back. Oh, Makar of the Creeping Terrors, please send us your brain spiders to wrench the secrets from this hillbilly's mind. Oh, oh my gods, what are those? Oh, oh my ears, oh! What would you like to know, Master Maldred? First off, you shall address me as Reverend. And secondly, what was the first indication that something was amiss with the forthcoming birthday ritual? Well, Reverend, the threats kind of started about a day and a half after Sismonde came to ask me if we were going to throw her the traditional Sweet 216. Oh, and she also reminded me that her birthday technically is the day before her twin brothers. Hang on. Back the fuck up! Your twin children have different birthdays? Yeah, it is somewhat strange that my twins have different birthdays. But when Sismon Day came to me a month ago, she had this certificate of live birth from the Imperial Office of Foreign Registries that clearly showed that she was born just before midnight and Bromond Day was born just after. I always thought Mamon Day was in labor until just before dawn when she gave the worlds my twin bobbins. But after 90 hours of labor, you kind of lose touch with the facts, I guess. I demand investigation of that certificate of live birth. Hmm. Yes, yes, everything appears to be in order here. These are official Imperial documents, all properly signed and notarized. And this page here is a foreign birth registry application, filled out and approved about three years ago. You see, all paperwork must be properly filed, even for pre-existing citizens whose homelands are absorbed by the Empire in their adulthoods. None of you are paying any attention to me! Well, if that will be the case, then I shall be retiring to my dressing room post-haste. I thought you already did that. Well, I was going to, and then I heard that awful advertisement for that disgusting dwarven hot sauce, and I had to make myself a cosmopolitan, just to rinse the taste out of my mind. But I am leaving for real now, even if you do start paying proper amounts of attention to me. If the bard stays conscious all day, we'll never get anywhere with this investigation. Tuxy, darling, hand me one of your slightly larger slapping fish. Right away, Lady Featherfoot. Romande spins, spins on his, his heel and starts to make a beeline for the staircase, but his trajectory takes him right past Issa, who cunningly hides Tuxedo Beak's piscine blackjack behind her right thigh until the last possible moment. What the? Oof! There! Now he won't get in the way. Thanks for the loan, Tuxy. Anytime, Fishball Head. I shall continue the investigations. Now then, Master Mulkafinde, 
if your culture holds the 216th birthday celebration to be so important, then why have we not even mentioned the idea of celebrating your son's birth? Well, Master Shinoda, the original plan was for the party to span both days so that Bromonde could play for Sismonde's party and then they'd trade the stage after midnight. But then someone came by in the night and stabbed this note into the base of our ancestral treehouse. Give me that note. Let's see. Whoever wrote this has terrible handwriting. I can't tell which vowels all these little loops over the consonants are supposed to denote. You, you elves usually use solid blocks of ink in your calligraphy, not weird little loops. Mm-hmm. Of course you can't read it, dwarf. Your eyes aren't worthy. Now let me just put my blackened, moldy potato familiar on top of the page so I can see through its many eyes and... Okay, it says, This party violates the most sacred rights of Acoustican culture. Romande Dutch Treen Saw Finde will not take the stage, and if your preparations for such an event continue, the Spangle Gloves will be forced to dissuade you. Who the fuck is Spangle Gloves? Now, now, there's nothing to worry about for y'all musicians. Now, I don't know any Spangle Gloves, but ain't nobody gonna threaten my children. I got Sissy's friends with the red mittens looking into it, though, so y'all should probably just focus on practicing the traditional acoustic and name day song. Oh, before we get out of this ruined treehouse in and go off to practice that song we'll never be able to pull off, I want to start one more investigation. I want to know all of the most embarrassing childhood stories about our dear, beloved Bromonde. Well, telling embarrassing stories about one's offspring is at least five-eighths of the reason to spawn in the first place. My favorite was the time he pooped his pants right in the middle of Elf Church. I mean, he was still young. He'd only seen about mm, 23 winners by that point. Anyway, there we were, seated amongst the roots of the great hallowed-out tree of Maneg, elven god of the skies. It was the first time that my dear daughter was singing the responsorial psalm to the congregation. Now, I know how jealous my dear Bromande can get when others are garnering more attention, but when I glanced to my side, I did not expect to see his face shining so beet red with such powerful exertion. Visit the 20-Sided Theater online at 20sidedtheater.com. You can also follow us on Twitter through scryomagical links that Imanand and Thrimlock have established. You can follow the 20-Sided Theater at 20-Sided Theater spelled with an R-E. The inexcusable Romande Sorvinde at Illustrious Roe. Master Imanand Shenuda at Shenuda Necroco. Thrimlock Linanian at Thrimlock, Issa Featherfoot at Lady Featherfoot, and Spirit of the Swift Wind at Spirit OTSW. Check the show notes if you need help with the spellings. The 20 Sided Theatre is a joint production of Bear Industries and the Shenouda Necromancy Corporation. This episode stars Gabriel Abenante, Natalie Abenante, Blake Parker, Keridwen Quatrin, Kean Quatrin, Rory Quatrin, and Tony Scarufi. With special thanks to John Abenante, Jim Coling, 
and Mike Soso for the use of Smid Caltrops, the half-bear monk, still Kulmanani, the druid of the frozen summit, and Froggle, king of things. Tonight's episode was written by Rory Quatrin and engineered by Blake Parker. Music by Ben Briggs, Blackula Hunter, Olivia Jane Music, Hatashu, Silverman Sound Studios, Stephen O'Brien, Tristan Lohengrin, and VCMG. For a complete list of and links to all the music and sound effects you heard on tonight's episode, visit the show notes at 20sidedtheater.com. While you're there, consider donating to the upkeep and production of the 20-Sided Theater. If you don't, then I shall equip each of my 35 irradiated Shenouda brand necromages with incredibly heavy gloves that they may begin 35 separate investigations into the causes of your miserliness. Join us next time at the 20-Sided Theater. Master Shenouda, Spirit of the Swift Wind and I bring you tidings from Lord Thrimlock. Silence yourself, Torea. You too, Spirit of the Swift Wind. I said shut up, horse! I am receiving signals from the polycosmic monitoring system that I use to spy on that so-called scientist. Professor E. Slide. Dr. Edwin Von Slidingworth, honorary PhD, here again to bring you a brilliant new product from the sliding tech family of goods and services. But before I can show you our brilliant and supremely useful new bubble, Sonar, get in here! Uh, what do you want this time, Star? I was busy decoding all those wave files you've been recording with that multi-dimensional surveillance network that you teleported into that Shenouda and Necro whatever guy's workshop. Also, cheesy crazy, that jar is super loud. Maybe you want to consider oiling it up or something. A capital idea, Sora. Go and fetch me a can of sliding tech universal lubricant. But first, you should shut that door so I don't get mosquitoes and moths crawling all over this incredibly expensive scientific equipment, which is totally not bug resistant. Sure thing, sir. Uh, the door's kind of stuck. You really need to oil this thing more.
Let me just give us some boot grease. Sona, what have you done? That's a load-bearing wall that you just broke. It wasn't my fault, sir. You're the one who hired that cut-rate cock-up artist to build lab facility Epsilon out of sticks after the big good wolf or whatever what? asshole blew down facilities Alpha through Delta. Oh, sh- what? Run! <coughs> wow, that was unexpected. Especially since that so-called hero, the big good wolf, wasn't involved this time. Okay, time to start up on Science Facility Theta. Sona, bring me the yellow pages. I need to look through a list of companies that specialize in stonework. <coughs> I think the phone book's still down there in all the rubble. But you don't need them anyway, sir. There's that Mason guy who works in our superhuman community service group. Uh, Jack, I think his name was? Maybe Jim? Brilliant thinking, Sona! Hand me your slide phone! Uh, hello? Jack Partree, construction and stonework. Solid work with solid materials since 2010. Uh, how can we be of edification today? The Mason! Get out here! Lab Facility Epsilon has finally met with the same fate as all the others, and I need your unique set of telepathic and telekinetic abilities to build me a new one! Who the... Oh, sh... What? Eddie? Is that you? Oh, how'd you get this number, Chief? I keep telling you, I don't want to be no part of no company run by an ex-supervillain. I'm on parole now, boss, and I don't want to screw that up by working for you. First off, it's Professor Slide to you, the Mason. Maybe Dr. Von Slidingworth, but never Eddie. Such familiarity will not be tolerated in a henchman. And that's what I keep telling you, Chief. I don't want to be no henchman. I mean, your guys have got the best insurance this side of the Mississippi, but the rest of your pay is sh**. Plus, that whole volcano layer thing that you've been talking about? Man, that just ain't gonna work unless you want to relocate to some place where volcanoes already exist. What? So you're telling me that there's no way I'm going to get a secret underwater volcano base hidden at the roots of Angel Island in the San Francisco Bay? What kind of shoddy telepath are you, anyway? Look, boss, I, I just talk to the rocks and move them around with my powers. I, I can't convince a slab of granite to turn itself into lava or nothing. I just move it around and ask it about its day. Okay, fine. I just need a state-of-the-art lab, and I need it yesterday. I've got a hundred gold ingots with your name stamped on them, but you can only have them if you can start construction within the hour. Holy shwack, sir. You just offered him, like, a million dollars for this job. A little over 1.3 million, actually. So, what you say, the Mason, are sliding tech industries and pottery construction and stonework going to be able to do business? Uh, Chief, you got all them gold bars legally, right? Of course I did. The illegal part comes later, when I convince everybody else in the country to stop using paper money! Oops, uh, forget I said that. 
I must find this island of angels that I might visit such annoyance on Professor Eastlide as he has inflicted upon me. Though it disturbs me to find that he is gathering allies to himself. Not to worry, though. What beargrass addled divinity came up with such a strange ability as telepathy? Are you still here, Terea? I thought you'd gone. In any case, you are correct. The ability to read the inner thoughts of stones and minerals will be as useful and interesting to this Mason Pottery individual as reading the inner thoughts of Sir Gnome will be to Thrimlock. <laughs> I must remember to commend Morton later. Though he suffers under the delusion of being a master tambourinist, as if that was even a thing, he possesses a delightfully cruel ingenuity. Now, get out of my lab, Torea. You too, spirit of the swift wind. And take care not to slam the door behind you. I do not wish to hire a mason of my own to reconstruct this laboratory. <laughs> <laughs>